Hey, what's going on? This is Jeremy Thone, Marketing Director of 3PL Systems and host of 3PL Live. Excited to share an interview with Lance Healy. Lance is no stranger to the freight community. He is one of the co-founders of Banyan Technology. He started that back in the day when they were trying to get rates for a construction company and they needed to basically get LTO rates from several different sites. So they screen scraped those rates and then ended up marketing that product, which became Banyan Technology. Lance is now with a company called Optum and Optum basically does network optimizations for large LTL carriers. The founder of Optum is actually a MIT professor and wrote a book on network optimization algorithms. Hope you enjoy this interview. It was very interesting. Hey Lance, thanks for coming on 3PL Live. I am excited to talk to you. I've heard that you're kind of like the mayor of LTL Freight, so um, <laughs> excited to talk to you about your founding uh, Banyan. I guess, could you give me a little bit of background? Like I know that you were one of the co-founders of Banyan and now you're at Optum, but just a little yeah. bit of history yeah. on you would be awesome. Yeah, sure, man. And Jeremy, thanks, man. I really appreciate having me on and and uh, and talking with you. You're, you're a rock star. So glad that glad to be here. It started Banyan as a um, from another company that I started in construction material supply. So I actually got started before that heavy entrepreneurship in college and had six companies in college and Jeez. and then and was fairly unemployable. Um, when I graduated <clears throat> with an African studies and French degree. But the, uh, <laughs> the exciting thing was I got exposed to entrepreneurship. So I knew I wanted to, to try that because I had nothing to lose, uh, literally. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> so started really in new product development with some products out of Norway and Iceland, and then brought those in, did some production of those products in Vancouver, Canada, and then my supplier there had a cocaine problem and Yikes. and I lost everything and then joined <laughs> up with my, my business partner for the last, uh, for 20, 22 years or so, uh, Jim Walborn. And he ran construction material supply. So the internet just kind of came about. So we said, hey, let's sell construction materials on the internet. And this is in the late nineties, you know, when people were doing AOL and dial-ups and getting buying minutes and that kind of stuff. So we were a little ahead of our time figured out we were able to disrupt some some very localized pricing markets with buying and selling materials all over the country. Problem was um, we had to coordinate all the freight and this is where the industry, you know, kind of gets its hooks in you. So we, st we started manually coordinating all this freight from our materials marketplace and figured out, wow, what a what a pain in the ass this is. So, uh, so we're like, we, it was a lot of heavy LTL freight with some of the materials. And we were going to every carrier's website and typing in the information, you know, going to three, four, seven different websites. And so we built a, um, like a crawler to go to all the different websites and just basically populate the material and basically screen scrape the results and then process it back through. This is how we were doing the first, you know, meta engine on LTL rates. And what year is that, that around? Is this like early two thousands mm, we're talking? No, no, this is ninety seven. Okay. Ninety eight. Wow. And um yeah, yeah. OG baby. Oh, That's so, awesome. Uh, it's yeah. freaking cool. Yeah, it, it was at the time, it, but we were just doing it for our own use. And then uh, some of the carriers started talking about maybe doing some API stuff. So we started 
working with them and building the first APIs to the LTL carriers and taking advantage of those and putting them, putting them out there. That was just for our own little construction materials marketplace. And then a bunch of our customers were like, dude, that's so cool. How'd you do that? And we're like, we just built this tool. <laughs> and they're like, could we use it? And we're like, sure. And then they're like, hey, we should charge for this. <laughs> so in like 2000, we built it out. And then that became Banyan Technology was just this little freight tool that allowed you to go and rate different carriers. And so we made it so you could just drop in your own account name and password and stuff like that. And that'll rate whatever your rates are. So we didn't know how to charge for that. We just like, well, let's just do it like a hundred bucks a month or something. We had no idea if anybody would even pay that. And sure enough, they did. And then we started adding tendering and tracking and doing all that other fun stuff. Five years later, somebody, this was the dot-com glory days where you, I, we could have wrote that business plan on a napkin and somebody would have thrown 10 million bucks at us, you know? Damn. Um, right? Like a dumbass. We said, no, 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 we're just going to bootstrap it. So <laughs> we didn't raise formal VC capital, but we, we got a couple of angels, investors and in, from local Cleveland folks and then went out to market with it. It's so funny that people are still talking about switching over to APIs 25 years later. Wow. You know, like, cause it, at the time it was static tables and you know, no, 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 we've got our rate cards and you know, and all this is like, what? But it's, it just, it opened up so many new and cool things, but uh, that's, that's how we, that's how we got started in it and started with Banyan and came from a couple of concrete guys. And, Interesting uh, stuff. Yeah. What? Yeah. Curious, curious what was like out at that time or like freight quote i think was around like around 2005 ish maybe what like yeah was there other people trying to build things that were similar Def or what what was going on at that time just out of curiosity yeah so it's great that you bring up freight quote because freight quote was the reason that we ended up building our own tool because they were actually out before right about the same time you know as we started building our own and right around 2000 i think 2001 tim can correct me but they were just launching their application and we already had a bunch of transactions and unfortunately there's it was before they got their funding and everything so their site would go down for like five or six days at a time you know oh, geez. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah i mean it was they were they were a little startup just like we were sure. so we you know we weren't we we felt the pain we, we know but we, we had construction material auctions going and all kinds of stuff. So like we could not afford to go down like that. So that's really what made us build our own thing was, was just, they were just crawling out of the ooze like we were. It was so funny. And then they got tons of money and did all that fun stuff. So it was good. It was good. And then uh, P44 came out, I think in 2012 and then SMC3 in like 2014 or 15 or something. We started doing APIs. So. Do people um, still use yeah. SMC3? Like, is that because it seems like a lot of oh, people yeah. shifted to like uh, API, but is SMC3 just for people that just want to audit their own tables type of thing, you think? Or there now, there's, there's still a lot of folks, especially a lot of the larger 3PLs that still prefer hosting their own rates and then serving them. Mm. There's, you know, from a, a speed, but I think it's also from just reliability perspective. If anything happens or goes down, it's, it's all within their own purview to correct. They're not dependent on, on anyone else's infrastructure. So mm. there's some of that. And some of them are just on such old, you know, weird 
rate basis or something else sure. like that. They're like, you know what, this is what we're going to do. And they're just going to stay with it. And their whole infrastructure is built around that. And it's true also for a lot of shippers um, that have real outdated legacy technology that they still, they're clinging on to their 2002 rate base because they think they're getting one over on the carriers. Mm. <laughs> no. But, but, uh, it's all like but, finagling I gotta, math, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just smoke and mirrors game, but it's, um, it's funny to see shippers, especially like cling on to these crazy outdated, I got a 92 rate base. And I was like, do you know that every zip code that's been added since 1992 isn't included in that rate base? So you're not going to get a discount. <laughs> they're like, wait, what? Wait, seriously? It's like. It's not a good thing. It's not a good thing at all, but that's okay. We're geeking out on LTL, but uh, yeah, that that's how I got to start in it and just raised a little bit of money, you know, learned a lot of lessons, uh, tons of lessons and stuff along the way. But yeah, and then Bannon, we built a lot, did a lot, expanded uh, with a back end for a lot of big customers back in the day, um, Coyote and XPO and Landstar and back when APIs were cool. <laughs> um, and now any, now anyone with a 15 year old nephew can do it. So, um, I was like, okay, <laughs> time to, time to evolve and move on. But, uh, had developed some cool products within Banyan, some connections with, um, uh, final model delivery carriers kind of through one API and then also doing stuff with, um, dynamic pricing. And that's really where I knew banyan sold to like shippers and 3pls they didn't sell to carriers and this dynamic pricing stuff that that we came up with really didn't fit banyan and, and i knew if that was gonna like go get life and do somewhere else it had to be in another company and so you know i looked around and, and optum has just got their tech stack is and their their technology and their tools amazing but they're already selling directly to the LTL carriers and that's where it's like hey this is a much better fit for this product so so that's I saw that well I met Ravi once at the TIA, TIA Technovations with you but yeah. I know that he's a uh, the founder of Optum he's a MIT professor and then he wrote a book on network optimization algorithms. He wrote the book, <laughs> the book. The book. Can, you tell, can you give um, us a little bit of background still on that? today. <laughs> yeah. Like he is, he is absolutely genius level. Brilliant when it comes to that. I mean, you're a professor at MIT, you, you know, in advanced mathematics. So, you know, yeah. there's that, Beast. Uh, there's that <laughs> qualifier. Um, but, uh, but more, I think more impressive for me is, you know, what he's done with the company and been able to evolve it, deliver really, really good practical results. And he's kind of that, that never, never satisfied, always want to improve, always want to look at it better, continues to, to have folks do ride alongs for the mobile apps. You know, they've been in use for years, but, but continues, you know, every quarter they do more ride alongs with drivers to just make sure, Hey, what can we do to make these better? What can we do? And the optimization routines that they've got are better than anyone else as evidenced by, you know, the adoption rate that they've had, especially in the last couple of years with major, major LTL carriers signing on to adopt their, uh, their tech. And there's a, there's another announcement that's coming out this week. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So for the, for the us lame ducks that don't know a whole lot about like the operations of 
LTL, obviously, I know that like when you uh, put in the class, the weight, the zip codes, it magically some truck comes over and picks it up. But I think the rest of it's a little bit like blurry for the rest of us, like non-operations people. So, but yeah. I have been doing a little bit of research on this. So I was, I was looking at like routing optimization and I had no idea like how many permutations it would take and how many different factors would happen in one given route and like dead miles and picking up and just oh, yeah. doing the same work and all these different things. So I guess for those of us that don't know much about that, could you kind of just give me a little background on just some of these products? Yeah, it's um, so if you look at, um, you know, kind of where Optum's core is, it's in uh, routing line haul optimization. So it pulls together. Um, if you think of LTL as like a puzzle piece, right? So the, here's 30,000 shipments they're going to dump into, you know, on the table. And then based on their hub and spokes, their networks, their driver schedules. How do I get all of these to all of those places the most efficient way possible? So the, the amount of variables, you know, you've, you've got throughput at, at terminals, you've got driver schedules this way and back or one way line haul. There's, there's optimization planning on how do I get through this hub and spoke network from coast to coast the most efficiently giving the, and every day is a different puzzle then usually somebody comes in, just grabs a handful of pieces off the table and throws them away. Says, "Okay, good luck." But that's what uh, that's what LTL carriers do every day is is solve these puzzles. And honestly, that's what Optum does extremely well is help them run millions of permutations, millions of permutations to try to make these work. And it's not just one routine. There's subroutines among subroutines of subroutines of to the individual driver level the truck you know going out and doing the, the pickups and the and the deliveries and as pickups are coming in that day and people are throwing more pieces onto the table at you throughout the day as you're trying to solve the puzzle it's automatically assigning hey this should this driver should go grab it they're the best you know situated with the right volume on their truck what was ordered etc all the way through to line haul driver scheduling, the overnight guys, et cetera. It's crazy what, what happens every day to make an LTL network work. And then to do yeah, it that's profitably. That's insane crazy. to think about <laughs> yeah. all the different factors and variables um, on these puzzles that basically happen every day. How is it being done before? Were they using software before, but just not using artificial intelligence and machine learning and that type of thing? Because it seems like you need like a, like a computer to solve some of these problems. Like a human, I don't think it's really capable of, of doing it to the degree yeah. computer is, right? For sure not. I mean, it's, I mean, that's what computers do really well is, you know, massive amounts of computations quickly. And I think this is a great, anything in logistics is a, is a great case for optimization is you have so many different variables at, at work. So the exciting, yeah, beforehand, yeah, it was small local level done by hand looking at, okay, I've got line halls and I've got set routes and I'll just wait till a truck fills up and then I'll send the truck or it fills up to a certain amount, then I'll send the truck. So it was more driven by here's where I've got dedicated routes than it was, okay, I'm going to build my routes dynamically or more dynamically. There's still, you know, there's enough freight that I'm going to be doing trucks here, trucks there. Uh, but then there's those fringe ones that mm, I want to, I want to get here or get there. That's really where when you pair that, optimization with some dynamic pricing tools it can actually proactively help fill the trucks to make the network operate better 
Uh, so you're proactively influencing what comes into the network rather than just reacting by it. Mm. So that's where the that's where the dynamic pricing piece comes in. So it's all it's about as LTL geek sexy as you can. Get, so. Yeah. <laughs> so when you guys are like solving a new problem, like a routing problem, I, I'm assuming like how do you guys go about it? Initially, you just study what they're doing and like try to figure out like what problems they're trying to solve. I'm trying to like solve maybe like idle trucks or like trucks that are not full or like better so they don't double lap on each other's routes is how do they go about, yeah. I guess, initially like um, developing products that you guys go to market with? Yeah, it's, it's really addressing the, the, the challenges from uh, the, 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 the customers themselves, you know, you know, whether it's a SIA or SDs or yellow or consolidating opcos or, or just saying, Hey, I'm, I'm looking to, improve my capacity utilization and you know some events as simple as geocoding addresses that weren't geocoded before like everyone has a data problem it's just how bad <laughs> is your data problem right sure. so it's uh you know i've got six entries for this one location when that goes into an optimization optimization engine it looks like six different locations or six mm. different addresses and so running some sub-optimization routines to do some fuzzy logic that says hey these are actually all the same place. So I don't mm. care if any of these aliases come in, I can group these shipments into one stop rather than, you know, have one truck deliver it at, you know, 10 a.m. and the other one drop it, another delivery off it at one when they could have just put it on one truck. So those are little subtle things like that, major big driver scheduling, that's the latest thing that's really making a difference in the LTL world is, is the driver scheduling to say, okay, here's my optimization plan, but if my driver schedule doesn't correspond with that, it, it basically is useless. So by enabling those things to, to kind of connect together, then now I've got, okay, yeah, I've, I've got a driver going to you know Indianapolis, but under contract, he's coming back tonight too. And whether there's freight on that truck or not, he's coming back tonight. So let's use them you know, that way. But a lot of that, a lot of those things, those driver schedules and the uh, line haul scheduling were done completely separate for a long, long time. So it's because it adds a whole nother layer of complexity to the problem. So mm. It's exciting stuff. Yeah, it is interesting. So stuff. the driver scheduling part, like they have, they'll, each driver has like an hours of service thing too, right? And mm -hmm. I'm assuming that each truck is connected through like an ELD. So... How does some of this like driver scheduling work and like how was it done before i guess and you'd mentioned that now that these two things are also talking to each other as well whereas before they sounded like they were isolated is that all kind of correct yeah yeah for the for the most part um there's um so yeah before it was you've got driver schedules kind of like those hey we know you know bob's gonna go here so let's try to fill his truck you know obviously much more complex than that when you're talking mm -hmm. about the big national carriers but most of the software that we're uh, either augmenting or replacing is in the you know AS400 stuff and and the optimization routines that existed for the last you know 20 30 years were built 20 30 years ago in in AS400 land. Um, so land. it's yeah baby. <laughs> so um, so not only is the is the user uh, interface extremely painful and it takes you know to to get new people trained up and ready to use it and see it and visualize it 
so much of that had to be done in the planners' heads. Oh yeah, I know I can do this. I know I can do that. It's a ton of tribal knowledge, which is a testament to their their skill to be able to do all this. But now with the software, yes, we still need, we still want their familiarity with what's going on because we'll do a route optimization plan, you know, and present it all with pretty maps and multicolored routes and everything for the for the planners to then look at and say, hmm. I don't know about this. Maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna drag this stop and move it over to that route, or uh, let's change the sequence of this. Just because I know you know Karen at this at this location, you know they take a lunch and blah blah blah. If we can capture all that information. We can update all that information so the systems get smarter and smarter as they go. That's you know dwell time on location. We know that every time we go to this stop and we track, it's an average of 45 minutes and the system starts building that into the route scheduling. And so we can take two years of historical data for any carrier or operation and be able to like, and so the system's already familiar and learning with everything that's on it. It's really cool stuff. And the impact it has for the carriers is amazing. It's really good. Uh, it just in terms of improving their operating ratios and asset utilization, uh, it's like finding capacity in the couch, honestly. It's like, hey, we've got another 7% of capacity that's essentially free. So they can they can put do a better job, put more on the trucks and balance their networks. So is asset utilization, is that basically a measure of like how many of your assets are actually being fully used? Is that how they calculate that? Yeah, that's that's one of them. And and you know, every carrier has different metrics and, and they all there's, we have a whole tray of different metrics that we, that carriers can track and do all that kind of fun stuff, but definitely asset utilization. Some of it, you know, on terminal is, is dollars per truck, you know, when they're trying to revenue per, per truck or mm. um, that may be on the, the, the P and D side versus the line haul, but the, um, different metrics for different parts of the operation. The beauty is, is all the data points are captured. So regardless of what they want to measure or how they want to measure it, you actually can measure it. So it's pretty cool. So that's really interesting. Um, I, what's your thoughts yeah. on like tribal knowledge and tribal knowledge, like being digitized? Cause it seems like, I don't know if like AI and machine learning has been around for a while in freight tech, but it seems like there's been more of a prevalence of it, like with companies like Optum and other folks out there. Um, another one I heard of called like Pactum. So I'm just curious from like your perspective, mm -hmm. Is this like a newer thing or is it just something that I haven't really been seeing as much or it's been there and it's just getting more prevalent? I, I think the there's a couple of factors at work. One, the quality of the data is better because people people are taking better care of their data in their database, which allows them to do more with it. And all of a sudden, you know, 10 or 20 years ago, that wasn't, you know, it's in the database and it was like your basement. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's in there somewhere in there. Oh, Hey, I've got two of these. Is that cool? Is it, you know, it's like, um, it's like, but now I think everybody appreciates like, if you don't have good, clean data, it's going to limit what you can do with it. So I think mm -hmm. there's been a gradual evolution of that. And then I think a lot of the term of AI and machine learning and is has been abused and, and you know dragged up and down the hype curve a couple of times. But I think the cool part is that it is getting to the point now where there there is real machine learning that is being applied where 
I think in the past it was a liberal use of the definition of AI where people could set rules like if this, then that, and if this, then that. And they're like, look, it's machine learning. I'm like, no, it's not. Those are just <laughs> conditions, you know? So there's a, there was a little bit of fuzziness around there, and, and but especially anyone who was trying to raise money was like, oh, it's machine learning. I was like, no, it's not. It's just decision <laughs> trees. But now I think it is where there's feedback loops and, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So it's exciting to see. So would, would the main difference, I guess, in your mind, like AI actually thinks for itself based upon like the actual data happening, like it could actually make decisions. That's kind of like the difference between just like telling, like almost like programming, like a, a bot on a website that's condition-based. Yeah. And it's, um, I think it's, it's, there's different degrees and then there's different comfort levels where people have, if they want the machine to make the decision, um, versus make a suggestion. So that's the prescriptive versus just uh, executing and you know basically on the on the AI and I totally forgot that term and that's that's gonna haunt me yeah I, it, it absolutely can do that and it's just a question of where are the right conditions and the right subsets where you want that to happen and then that it makes sense to happen that it's yeah this is always true this is you know these kind of things are always true yeah go for it if there's other you know, major components, then maybe you want that to say prescriptive of, hey, we think this is the best way. Here's an option. Do you want to do this? Yes or no? Kind of like rerouting on your GPS. You know? mm. Hey, there's another route here. It could save you five minutes rather than and just ask you versus, hey, we're going to reroute you. We're going to we're going to take you down the side street because there's an accident up ahead. Trust us. It'll be fine. It's just that kind of a example, if you will. Sure. What do you think that like companies in general, I mean, it could be freight brokerages, it could be LTL carriers, whoever, uh, what do you think scares, I guess, operations, people and folks at these companies the most about like AI? Like, do you think that they're scared that it's going to just get out of control and then snowball into like a big cluster of mess? Do you think that that's okay. kind of some of the fears? No, I don't actually. I think there's so much work to do. I've not really had anybody that's looked at, you know, with some of the optimization tools, the things that we're doing, but like, wow, you're going to put me out of a job because really if somebody's doing this for a job, they're begging for help because they're, they've really talented human being can, can look at things and run, you know, five or six or 10 different permutations on a data set. Okay. But took an hour, you know, mm. and you only ran 10 different scenarios at most. And usually it's not anywhere near that, maybe two or three. Whereas three minutes, you know, we can run hundreds of thousands of permutations. It's really that person that understands all of those, those optimization routines that they're the ones that, that really understand, hey, this is how they understand how the machine works and they're instrumental in, in helping define those rules and then continuing to refine those rules their effective reach or impact on an organization can go up exponentially because now they can, they can manage, help manage the machine and, but they can process a whole hell of a lot more in, in terms of how they're, how they're executing and what they're doing. So not a real threat. You know, one of the things that, that, that I'm looking at is how can we take this amazing tool set from um, that we've, developed and matured at scale with the LTL community and bring it over to the three PLs. Um, That'd be cool. Right. So mm -hmm. specifically looking at how do we 
enable a 3PL to look across their customers, work with their LTL carriers on some P&D levels, be able to you know, borrow a page from the parcel community and be able to say, hey, we, could in, we can inject this into a particular LTL carrier's terminal that's already pre-sorted and assigned to go right into their terminal or out of their terminal, and then that 3PL can handle the line haul, get it there, get it there faster, get it there cheaper, less damage. And that honestly is where a lot of LTL carriers are constrained is in their line haul networks. If we can kind of bring that synergy together, that, that opens up a lot more opportunities for the LTL carriers, P&D operations, as well as the 3PLs really adding some sticky kind of value to their customers to be able to say, hey, you know what? I can, I can, do, I can get you cross-country in three days instead of six you know, with your LTL because they're able to use optimization routines to build that. That's, uh, you know, it's keeping me out of jail right now. <laughs> Definitely. It's, it seems like uh, maybe like the, how, as far as like the brokerage market goes, like the, how, it seems like every brokerage is a lot different from one another. So do you, do you think that it needs to be like, if a brokerage were to want to take advantage of something like Optum, uh, would they need like a CIO or would it usually be like, or would it be like the CEO usually that takes care of this kind of stuff? Or I guess it kind of depends on the size, but seems like the, yeah. they need someone fairly technical, right, to understand some of the stuff. Yeah, and with anything strategic, you know, kind of an executive sponsorship is going to be really important. This wouldn't be ideal for, let's say, a transactional kind of a, a, a broker, but somebody that's really engaged heavily with their customers or 4PL type of situation that says, hey, here's how we can leverage or not all customers or all customers or like customers to be able to leverage all those together and say, hey, we can, instead of just, you know, the typical 3PL, LTL interface is, well, we have rates with these carriers. And so then we just put a margin on it, send it through their network, dishes are done. There's no real value add, very little value add to that unless, you know, disputes and some other things that happen. But, you know, I see this as a real chance for 3PLs to be able to to say, you know what, we have all this volume from all these different customers. I could build three truckloads a day from Southern California to Chicago and then figure out, you know, where it goes from there and start actually adding their margin contribution while lowering their customers' costs. To be able to do that, you've got to have the right software to execute. So once you have the executive sponsorship, then it's figuring out, okay, what ERP system are they using or TMS system is that that broker using? Hopefully they're using 3PL systems. Um, That'd be awesome. But, uh, <laughs> right? But then how do you enhance their their offering, not only for new customers, but the stickiness for existing customers? So that would be like a consolidation piece. I wonder if there, is there any, do you think, is there many people that like build out consolidation and then have like their own warehouse? Is that kind of like a, a trend that, I mean, I, I think it's been going on maybe for some companies for years, but is there more people that are kind of doing some of that stuff now you think? Yeah, it, at a certain size level, it, historically you've got three PLs, larger three, the largest, you know, the three PLs that may have multiple warehouses around the country for doing exactly this. And they may do a they may do a network design plan like once a year, and then just put it in a book and throw it on the shelf unless there's you know something needs to happen. But it's not real dynamic. Now we're seeing things with like uh, pop capacity and stored and where to go and you know where there's a lot 
more accessible temporary short-term warehouse space that doesn't require as significant a capex type of investment mm-hmm. that a, a broker could could leverage without saying oh i've got to go build a warehouse you know they can look across their network work with some of those services and say hey i've got a warehouse here's my network design plan or here's where i need a warehouse and then go talk to people and say okay good let's look at this and then be able to leverage that every day, every week, the optimization routines to be able to say, okay, here's how we can here's how we can crush it. And we already know what the the LTL rate's gonna be. So if that's cheaper than what the optimization says, then leave it on the LTL carrier network. That's actually really interesting. So I have one last question for you about yeah. just your overall, I guess, trends that you see coming in 2023, 2024, the next couple of years, like in, I guess, the LTL market and just brokerage, I guess, in general, like what, what do you think is going to, what's coming next? Like more machine learning, more AI, more, I know those are all buzz terms, but yeah. just in general, like what, what yeah, do you see yeah. that's coming up? Yeah, that definitely will be, I think, I think optimization, I know I'm a little biased, but I, I do firmly, firmly believe optimization is going to be the next competitive advantage mm-hmm. um, in, the, in, the, in the software and service offerings. I think, you know, visibility was like all the rage pre-pandemic. Um, but uh, so last year. I, I think that, <laughs> right, <kidding>. so, <laughs> so 2020, no, it's, uh, it's still important, yeah. but, and it will continue to be as the market slowly, you know, continues to adopt. But, but I think for those that are, you know, looking forward and are on on the edge and saying, "Hey, we want to, what's next?" Visibility is good, but it just tells you what happened. And it doesn't give you that data to correct or take action, or it doesn't doesn't give you that decision support to say, "Okay, the truck's going off the cliff. Mm-hmm. What do I do now?" And that's where optimization comes in and says. Let that truck go off the cliff. We've got four other options. Here's the best one, and here's why. So whoever that logistics manager, that broker that's that's helping out that shipper, can say, here's here these were all the options. I ran these permutations. This is the best one. Here's why we rock. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so I think that, I think that's where that's where we're going to see a lot of um, emphasis. And I think the just the the fragility of the supply chain in the last couple of years has really brought that into the boardroom where people are like, I don't want to get caught, you know, with my pants down again. You know, if something breaks in our network or in the supply chain, we need to know how we can react or how we should react, not just let's throw a dart at the board and hope it works and that kind of stuff. So I think conditions are, have all been feeding into it. And, and at the same time, the, the, the intersection of the technology is, has also met kind of that perfect storm so i think optimization is going to be a big big piece and i think that we're going to see a lot more competition from in the ltl community from the the local delivery folks mm. um local delivery companies post pandemic you know have sprouted up like like wildfire right and they've had consolidation and they've got companies like bring that have come in and all kinds of really good operating local delivery companies any of the CLDA members, uh, they're fantastic. All of a sudden, these silos in all these different cities are owned or under the same company and saying, hey, we need to start connecting the dots. And then once you do that, it's, it looks a lot like an LTO carrier. Local pickup, local delivery, and then a network in, be- 
Yeah. Okay. We could call it that. I think it'll be called a different category, but I think mm. that's going to start adding some pressure into the, into the traditional, you know, heavy asset based LTL carriers. Cause these other companies with the right software could be really nimble and agile and, uh, and, and, and build connections and build partnerships to expand their networks. That's just Lance's crystal ball. Well, that was a very interesting <laughs> conversation, Lance. I, I appreciate all the knowledge. And where do I send people uh, to find more about Optum? Should I send them to your LinkedIn or the Optum website? Yeah, both. You know, yeah, find us wherever. Uh, yeah, Optum, O-P-T-Y-M dot com. Um, yeah, or just hit me up on LinkedIn. I love geeking out on, on freight tech conversations anytime. So look awesome. forward to it. Appreciate the time, Lance. Yeah, man. Thanks, Jeremy. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Lance Healy over at Optum. It was a really fascinating conversation. He had a lot of interesting information about the LTL freight markets. Had no idea how much of a puzzle it is to solve some of these LTL uh, issues, such as like routing and routing optimization. So I guess there's a ton of permutations that goes into making sure that these LTL carriers are efficient and now machine learning and AI is really becoming prevalent in the freight markets, which is really interesting. Anyways, definitely go check out Optum. They're making some really interesting software and thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, please make sure to rate us on Apple or Spotify. We always appreciate the feedback. Have a great weekend.